0: Welcome to Dodgers Homestand, your behind-the-scenes look at what makes the Dodgers stadium experience so special for baseball fans and ballplayers alike. A unique perspective on Dodgers baseball from someone who's there for every home game and who has one of the best seats in the house. And now, your host, the public address announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the voice of God in blue heaven on earth, Todd Lights. Good evening, and welcome to Dodger Stadium, the home of your Los Angeles Dodgers fans. Please turn your attention to Dodger Vision and help me you welcome your in-stadium hosts, Dave Stiles and Kate Hansen. And you. Thank you, Todd. Lights the greatest PA announcer in Major League Baseball, located right above home plate, where it says "Welcome to Dodger Stadium." You sure he'll stand up and give a wave. It's good to hear him. And I know a lot of people uh, coming to the stadium for the first time this year and uh, getting to hear that voice. So. Hey, thanks for stopping by the PA booth here at Dodger Stadium, where the Dodgers have just taken the first game of a three game series against the New York Yankees by a score of eight to four. For the Dodgers, it was eight runs so on one 13 one hits, no errors. DJ for the Yankees, four runs, five hits and one error. DJ
1: severe.
0: And as we have a pair of dueling DJs out in the centerfield plaza here post game, our very own DJ Severe taking on DJ Jaybird, who I understand is a Yankee fan. They're going at it head to head right now out there in the centerfield plaza. A fine pitching performance by Clayton Kershaw. An offensive explosion in the first inning where the Dodgers put six runs across. Pretty much sealed the deal for the Dodgers over the Yankees today. Mookie Betts was the hitting star. He went four for four, he had two solo home runs. He had a walk, a couple of singles, three RBI. He actually had a leadoff home run. His 14th home run of the year. It was the 41st leadoff home run of his career. The 21st leadoff home run as a Dodger in the fifth of the season. Last time I spoke to you, from uh, the Wednesday game. Mookie led that game off with a home run and followed it up with another home run in the eighth inning. So this is the second game in a row where Mookie has hit a leadoff home run and the second game in a row where he's had a multi-homer game. His 14th and 15th of the year. Fantastic. Freddie Freeman saw his 20-game hitting streak come to an end. He was 0 for 5 on the day, but he squared up at least three balls and, uh, Hit the ball well but just didn't get any love for it. After the game Mookie Betts said that uh, it's really fun to play in games like these and I got to tell you it's really fun for uh, the rest of us to watch a baseball game like this against two storied rivals who faced each other 11 times in the World Series over the years starting back in 1941 and going all the way up to 1981. And speaking of that I just had to bring back our Dodgers team historian, Mark Langel to talk a little bit about the history of these two storied franchises going head to head, going back to their days in New York when the Dodgers played in Brooklyn and the Yankees in the Bronx. Max Muncy also hit a two run home run in the first inning to really get the Dodgers going. JD Martinez. He got another solo home run in the third inning. That's a 16 game hitting streak for JD Martinez. It was a two hour and 26 minute game before a crowd of 52,534 here at the Ravine. That was a sellout, the eighth sellout of the 2023 season and the highest paid attendance of the season thus far. As I mentioned, Clayton Kershaw was pretty masterful He had six runs to work with before he even came out for the second inning. And he went uh, seven innings, gave up four hits, two runs. They were both earned. One walk and nine Ks. The two runs came on solo home runs, one by uh, Josh Donaldson and one by Giancarlo Stanton. Actually, Donaldson hit another bomb in the ninth inning, a two-run home run off of Phil Bickford. So once again, Phil Bickford came in and coughed up a two-run home run late in the game, but it didn't really matter,
1: because
0: the Dodgers had an 8-2 to two lead at the time and went on to win 8-4. to four. Today was the 82nd anniversary of the passing of the great Lou Gehrig, the fine Yankee first baseman, the iron horse who passed away from ALS, the uh, neuromuscular degenerative disease that basically causes a loss of muscle control. Um, He died 82 years ago today, and so today was Lou Gehrig day in Major League Baseball, raising awareness for ALS and hoping for a cure. So we had on our ceremonial first pitch, we had a uh, former college athlete, technology professional, and a dedicated father of four here to uh, support the ALS community and research to find a cure. It was Phil Green and his son Parker were here. And Phil was diagnosed with ALS at the age of 48. And since then, he's dedicated his life to helping the ALS community through his efforts with Augie's Quest, Team Gleason, and several other ALS organizations. Uh, Steve Garvey, one of the legends of Dodger baseball, a 1981 World Series champion, 1984 Lou Gehrig award winner and a tireless advocate for ALS awareness. He came out to umpire that first pitch from Phil Green and his son Parker, which was a very emotional and uh, nice moment here at Dodger Stadium. Our anthem singer today was Candace Wakefield, who's uh, a five-time Grammy award-winning vocalist, a singer-songwriter. And she was accompanied by uh, Dodger Stadium organist Dieter Ruhl, and she gave a very spirited and uh, complicated version of the anthem. Uh, Wow, what a voice. And uh, she did quite a few runs as she uh, performed that anthem for us today. Pretty, uh, Pretty thrilling and spectacular. It was a real, I don't know, electricity in the crowd. You know, lots of Yankee fans, lots of Dodgers, a sellout crowd, these two great franchises facing off for the first time since 2019, I believe. And it was great to see them in their real uniforms. Last time they faced off here at Dodger Stadium, they were wearing that players weekend uniforms that were just, I mean, in my opinion, they were pretty horrible. Um, Dodgers were all in white. They looked like uh, ice cream men. Yankees were all in black. You couldn't even read the numbers on their backs. So uh, as a PA announcer, it made life pretty miserable for me. Our military hero of the game today was very proud. I love it when we have World War II veterans out here to get their recognition and and well-deserved acclaim. Uh, It was the United States Army Platoon Sergeant Joe Pepe Shara II of uh, LA's Chinatown. He was drafted into the Army at the age of 18 and he became an infantryman in the 25th Infantry Division, also known as Tropic Lightning. He went through basic training and then traveled from LA to San Francisco to get on the boat to travel all the way to the South Pacific Island of New Caledonia. Then he fought in the Allied counteroffensive in Guadalcanal before landing in the Philippines with General Douglas MacArthur back in 1945. Remember when MacArthur said, I will be back, and he was back. Pepe returned home in 1946. He never took a furlough during his entire time in in the war. And then after a battle with malaria, he married his wartime pen pal later that same year. He was awarded two Bronze Stars for Courage Under Fire and several medals for his service. And he currently drives to church each Sunday where he volunteers as an usher. And on Tuesdays, he serves as a Rotarian, which he's done for decades now. And in addition to serving on the YMC board as president and owning his own meat business. We're not really sure how old Pepe is, but I got to believe he's in his 90s. He, he was drafted. At the age of 18, so that might have been 1943, so you figure that was 80 years ago. So he's, he's probably pushing 100, and he looked great uh, as he stood out there and waved to the crowd. A fantastic night here at Dodger Stadium. And as the DJs go into their third round of head-to-head competition, I want to take you back to our Dodgers team historian, Mark Langell. and We talked a little bit about the storied history of these two great franchises as the Yankees came to town. All right, Mark, we're rolling. I'm here with Mark Langell, Dodgers team historian. The New York Yankees are in town, Mark, and uh, it's a historic rivalry. I like to think of the Yankees as, as for a time, they were the Dodgers' nemesis. I mean, the definition of nemesis is an enemy or or somebody that you go against that you can never overcome. And for a long period of time, the Yankees were the Dodgers' nemesis, but it, was, it didn't always turn out that way. Let's talk a little bit about the history of these two franchises head-to-head.
1: Well, if you think about it, back in New York, and a lot of fans remember, forget that there were three New York-based teams, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the National League, and then the Yankees. The Yankees make their first World Series appearance in 1921 and they just missed out on the dodgers because they had been in the world series in 1920 against cleveland but then that's where they go their different paths because while the yankees become these perennial contenders with babe ruth and lou gehrig and later joe dimaggio The Dodgers are wallowing, and I use that word because 14 out of 20 seasons between 1921 and 1940, they're in the second division. They're between fifth and eighth in the National League. So by the time it's 1941, Larry McPhail has rescued the franchise. As team president, they were on the the brink of bankruptcy, and suddenly they win the pennant. Just imagine 1941. They're going to get a chance to go to the World Series and play the Yankees a million fans turned out for a parade before the World Series, just to be able to celebrate the National League pennant. But be careful what you wish for, because in that 1941 World Series, right off the bat, it starts in terms of the Yankees having this dominance and all the lucky breaks. Game four, Dodgers are one strike away from winning the game and tying the series. There's a famous drop third strike. It could have been a spitball, but a drop third strike. Tommy Hendricks swings at a wild pitch from Hugh Casey, gets on base. Yankees mount a comeback and win seven to four, and they win the series in five games. So now here it comes: 1941, 1947, 1949, 1952, 1953, and each year, even when the Dodgers lose the last game of the season, 1950 and 51 wait till next year, wait till next year, wait till next year. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, next year is every year. Just imagine between 1949 and 1953, they win five, five straight World Series titles, and Casey Stengel is the manager between 49 and 60, 10 pennants in 12 years. So for the Yankees, it's no problem. But if you're the Dodgers, you've never won a championship. You're on the outside looking in. Where we're sitting right now at Dodger Stadium, across the way, we can look by the press box, and we can see a special shrine to 1955, and that's important because that's the first and only time that they won the championship. They took it to seven games. They gave the ball to a 23-year-old rookie pitcher named Johnny Padres. He gets on the team bus that day going to Yankee Stadium and tells his teammates, just give me one run. Well, they doubled that, and he got two runs, and thanks to a saving catch by Sandy Emeros in left field on a slicing line drive by Yogi Berra that saved the day the Dodgers won their first and only championship in Brooklyn. So emotionally that's why it was so important for Dodger fans because every year wait till next year wait till next year and we look across the way at that display and what does the headline say next year is now they finally won the championship.
0: Who's a bum?
1: Who's a bum? Every year you'd see that cartoon, that Willard Mullen caricature, and always in the shadow of the Giants, always in the shadow of the Yankees, that neighborhood fan, maybe one year, maybe one year. And 1955 turned out about turned out to be the only year because they get back to the World Series in fifty-six, but they lose in seven games. That was the series in which Don Larson in game five throws the only perfect game in history. So the only time the Dodgers ever had dominance over the Yankees 1963 when they sweep only time at that point the Bronx Bombers were ever swept in a fall classic
0: and I'm wearing the 1963 replica of the world championship ring that's the year I was born so I always think it's kind of fortuitous that I eventually worked for the Dodgers because I was born in 63 graduated high school in 81 when they beat the Yankees in the World Series and then got married in 88 when they won the World Series over the big swinging A's so this is a rivalry. This is this this I mean this has its roots in New York as you as you've mentioned, but it kind of continued into the 70s with Tommy Lasorda's teams and, you know, the Billy Martin, Reggie Jackson group.
1: The most important thing was to be able to have some type of rivalry on the West Coast. Otherwise, if it stays in New York, it's a nice part of American history. But after the 63 World Series, both sides kind of went to their corner. In the mid-60s to early 70s, they're trying to find their footing, and they're trying to be competitive again. And by 1977, we're all ready for round three, kind of like the Rocky movie trilogy, because you've got Tommy Lasorda, the brash manager, but then you've got George Steinbrenner, and you've got Billy Martin, and you've got a man who would be Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. So. Nobody really paid much attention in 74 when the Dodgers lost the World Series in five games. They were happy to be there. Oakland had won three straight titles. But Reggie Jackson would be a name that you wouldn't forget because one of the greatest things I ever saw, even as a Dodger fan, those three home runs in game six to clinch the championship in in 1977. And then Dodger fans went crazy in 78. They win the first two games. Reggie sticks his hip out in game four, so instead of taking three games to one lead, he sticks his hip out on a throw by Bill Russell, who had caught a line drive, and he's throwing to Steve Garvey at first base. Trying to
0: double him up.
1: And the great thing about Reggie, and I got to hand it to him, that innocent what? What? I didn't do it. What's going on? He hit me with a ball. And Frank Pulley never called it at first base, even though you could have argued interference, and to the Dodgers' credit, they admitted they, they lost their composure and the Yankees won again. So finally, just like 1955, it looks like they're going to break up the old gang. Are we ever going to win a championship?
0: With with the likes of Garvey, say, Lopes, Russell, Dusty if, Baker.
1: Yep, if they're ever going to do it, they got to do it in 81 because they already knew with Steve Sachs on the arrival that Davey Lopes probably would be the first of the infield to go. And what happens? They get to the World Series. They lose the first two games, just like in 1955. Fernando starts his only World Series game, pitches a complete game, five to four, puts the Dodgers back in. And you know, I can remember the stress like it was yesterday because they're still not not out of the woods. That five to four victory is followed by a crazy eight to seven victory, and then the pivotal Game Five with Jerry Royce versus Ron Guidry. Yankees nursing a one to nothing lead in the sixth inning. Is this how it's going to end? Are the Yankees going to escape? But Pedro Guerrero and Steve Yeager hit back-to-back home runs off Louisiana Lightning. And Royce, to his credit, he's got this great story about two outs in the ninth inning. He's got a 2-1 lead. He actually stepped off the mound because 55,000 people in the stands cheering. He said it was the only time he ever listened to the crowd because he said, this is only going to happen once in my life. Take us, take a moment to enjoy it. Drink it in. And then he said, get back to business, and he got the final out. And that was the key, going back to New York with a three-games-to-two lead. And then just like that Game 7 in 55 where everything went right, same thing in Game 6 because Bob Lemon got heat for, for batting for Tommy John and Tommy John's in the, in the dugout. What's going on? I can't believe it. Everything like that. I'm so shocked. Dodgers win 9-2. to And of the players that played in that game, the nine starters and the three subs, they had over t- nearly 20,000 games between them. That was their only championship. So game six in 1981. That's why it was so important. And nowadays, fans know Dodgers and Yankees, what a great historical rivalry it is how cool starting in 2024, they're gonna come to Dodger Stadium every other year. So it won't be just hoping that the Yankees come maybe in four or five years, being able to have semi-regular visits by the Yankees. That's just really something that we can all look forward to, especially if both teams are contenders, because then you've got the premise, yeah, it's great to meet during the season, but wouldn't that be cool to have a rematch in October? That's the dream of every Dodger Yankee fan, to face the other franchise in a World Series, just like the good old days.
0: Oh, man, it's good old days. But, you know, you look at it right now, these two teams have very similar records right now. So they're both uh, both playing well. I'm, uh, the Yankees are not atop their division. I, guess, I think it's the Rays, but and the Dodgers are holding on to a slim lead in the West. But they're both pretty pretty stacked, and, and the Yankees got some guys coming back. So um, it should be a great series. What are you really looking forward to see? Who do you want to see step up? Who do you want to see you know, step out on the national stage?
1: Well, the thing I loved, the thing I'm already looking forward to is Sunday, Bobby Miller and that fastball versus the Yankees national TV, because it reminds me when Bob Welsh, who was a rookie in 1978, was called upon to protect a 4-3 lead. Who's in the batter's box? Mr. October Reggie Jackson. And it was a classic matchup, and Welsh strikes out Jackson. And it's this thing with Bobby Miller. We just don't know what's going to happen. But how crazy for a guy like Bobby Miller, you know, you make your Major League debut, you win your second game, now suddenly, okay, kid, how about national TV versus the Yankees on a Sunday, you know, with a worldwide audience? How cool is that going
0: to be? On ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, facing one of the premier pitchers in the majors and Garrett Cole. So, wow, what a matchup.
1: I'm just excited, and the nice thing too is just to be able to see the uniforms. What just even today, as they're warming up for the first game of the series, to see those Yankee traditional uniforms warming up in right field, I just get flashbacks to being in middle school when the Yankees were playing in '77, '78, and you'd see. Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson horseplay in the outfield and you're thinking to yourself wait a sec they've been fighting all year and now suddenly they're going to get along in the World Series this can't be good for the Dodgers okay.
0: you want to add anything about this storied rivalry of these two storied franchises that I haven't asked
1: you about I think it's just so important too when you think about the great moments one of my favorite moments in the series is Jackie Robinson stealing home against the Yankees in game one at Yankee Stadium because it's not just him stealing home, it's Yogi Berra's reaction. And that's the crazy thing, it's been so long since the 1955 World Series and you never hear anybody talk about the World Series in terms of no, they won the Series, no, they won the Series. But that's the type of play where all Dodger fans can smile and go, he was safe. And anybody that loves Yogi Berra, you know, they can just slow down the video and, and, no, he was out, he was out. And that's the cool thing. It's like, how long has this been since 1955? And you'll still have a debate whether he was safe or out. And that just shows the passion of Dodger fans, Yankee fans, and the history throughout the generations. One little play like that, we're still talking about it all these years later. So
0: there you have it. That's Dodgers team. Historian Mark Langell talking about the great history of these 2 storied franchises, the New York Yankees and the Brooklyn and then Los Angeles Dodgers. We got two more games in this very exciting series, two more games left in this homestand. Tomorrow it's Garrett Cole, a right-hander with a 6-0 record and a 2.93 ERA, one of the premier pitchers in Major League Baseball, taking on Dodger rookie Michael Grove, who's 0-1 with an 8.44 ERA. So that's gonna be a challenge for the Dodger hitters facing Garrett Cole. that game's going to be on Fox 11 here in the Los Angeles area. It's the Fox game of the week. So wherever you see the big Fox, you're going to be able to watch the Dodgers against the Yankees here at Dodger Stadium. Tomorrow's game time is 4.15 p.m. And on Sunday, it'll be 4.10 p.m. That'll be Sunday night baseball on ESPN. And that'll feature Yankee right-hander Domingo German, who's 3-3 three three with a 3.98 ERA against Dodger rookie sensation right-handed pitcher Bobby Miller who's 2-0 on the year so far with a 1.64 ERA. So, tune us in or see if you can make plans to be out here with us at Dodgers Stadium as the Dodgers host the New York Yankees. That's all we got for you tonight on Dodgers Homestand. I'm your host, Todd Lights. Thanks for listening and we'll see you at the ballpark. Dodgers homestand, Dodgers homestand. Thank you for listening to Dodgers homestand with stadium announcer Todd Lights, taking you behind the scenes at Chavez Ravine and giving you a bird's eye view of Dodgers baseball both on and off the field. Join us for our next episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.